uh, we're gonna wrap up our study um, of the first half of 1 Samuel, and we'll pick this up some other time, maybe next summer. Uh, we'll pick up where we left off, but, but we're gonna wrap up here with uh, the beginning of David's life, and we're gonna see some principles. But I thought, since we have our kids in the service, our OBC kids are here with us today, I thought I would ask them to come up here and help me get this sermon started. So all of our um, First through fifth graders who are in here, I want you guys to come up here and help me real quick, okay? Come on, church, give them a hand as they're coming out. Come on, all the way up, all the way up, all the way up. Let's go, let's go, good job. Come on up, guys. Hey, I see two boys back there. Come on, Big D. Come on, guys, right up here to the top. All right, good job, good job. All right. All right, scoot back just a little bit so I can see everybody's faces. Hey, I haven't seen you since five minutes ago, but it's a, a good greeting. So, all right. Hey, girls, scoot back just a little bit so I, can, so I can see you guys while I talk to you, okay? So, I need you guys to help me tell our church a little bit about David. All right, so what do you guys know about David? Tell me something about David. David followed Jesus. Okay, Kind of. David fought a giant. Yeah. Who, what was the giant's name? Goliath. Goliath. All right. Goliath was a giant. David fought him. What, who, who else can tell me something about David? David did not. Um, there was a king that was really angry at David. Yeah, that's right. And David still honored the king, even though he was mean to David. That's good. Yexi, what, what do you know about David? He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd, really good. How, who knows how David fought Goliath? What was his weapon that he used? Violet. A slingshot. A, a slingshot, yeah, that's right. And uh, who else knows something about David's fight with Goliath? David. He used God. Yeah, God, God strengthened him for the fight, that's right. Um, so David was a shepherd, he fought Goliath. What else? What's something else that we know about David? He, he became a king. He became a king. That's right. It took a long time. Who, know, who knows how old David was when he fought Goliath? We don't know exactly, but, but how old do you think David was? Eight. Eight? Okay, maybe. He could have been. Twelve. Twelve, okay, all right. Seven. Seven. Are you seven? Almost in a, in a few weeks. How old do you think? 15. 15. So we're not exactly sure, but we know David was a young man. So maybe, maybe 10 to 15, somewhere around there. So he, he was young. Um, so anybody else have anything that I should know about David this morning? His brothers were older than him. That's right. Yeah. He was the youngest and, and everybody else thought they maybe were stronger and better than him, but, but God chose David. Well, you guys did a really good job. You helped me get things started. It helped set everybody straight this morning. So you guys can have a seat. Let's give them a hand, church. Good job. So we're gonna look at 1 Samuel chapter um, 16 this morning. And um, we just talked a little bit about 1 Samuel chapter 17, which is where David fights Goliath. And of course, David and Goliath is a famous story in scripture, but, but 
everybody knows about David and Goliath. Even, even um, if you just know, you know, it's, we, we talk about a David versus Goliath story where the underdog team beats the big team. And, uh, and so we, we know that David fought Goliath and he was a young man. He used a sling and uh, God delivered Goliath into his hand. But I want to look back at chapter 16 at the beginning of David's story. This is the first time we hear about David in Scripture. And by the way, David is mentioned uh, over a thousand times throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, more than Moses, more than Elijah, more than, more than some of the great heroes of the faith, David is mentioned over and over as a man after God's own heart. So we want to look at the beginning of his story. A few weeks ago when we had our student takeover story, uh, Don Jacobson shared some principles from the life of David as, as this unlikely servant who God chose and, and used but this morning, I want us to see how God was working in David's life from the very beginning. And I pray that it would be an encouragement to us this morning. So if you want to stand up with me, I'm going to read uh, the first um, 13 verses of 1 Samuel chapter 16. You can follow along on the screen. This will be our text for this morning, 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? since I have rejected him as king over Israel. We talked about that the last couple of weeks, that, that Saul was the first king, but disobeyed God, and God took away the kingdom from him. The Lord said, uh, Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, because I have selected a king from his sons. Samuel asked, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord answered, take a young cow with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you are to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate to you. Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. When the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, do you come in peace? In peace, he replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. Then Jesse presented Shammah, but Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. And after Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, are these all your sons? There is still the youngest, he answered, but right now he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had, a beautiful, he had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. The Lord said, anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth, that it is alive and active, that it has the power to transform and change our lives. So Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to obey this morning. Speak to us through your living word. 
Encourage us where we need encouragement. Challenge us where we need to be challenged and draw us closer to your son, Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. So we see here David's beginning. He's just a young boy, the youngest of eight sons. Samuel comes to anoint him, and at the beginning we see that Samuel's scared to even go. He says to the Lord, Lord, I can't go anoint another king because the current king, Saul, who is a scary guy, will kill me. And, and the Lord says to Samuel, go and tell the people you've come to make a sacrifice. And that's what Samuel did. And by the way, Samuel did make a sacrifice. God wasn't calling him to lie, but he was calling him to use discernment and discretion. And I would just challenge you. There are seasons in your life where everybody doesn't need to know everything. Proverbs talks about a wise man keeps his mouth shut sometimes. And there are seasons in our life where, where maybe we, we overshare, uh, where maybe we, um, where, where we say too much when God is doing a work in our heart and we jump the gun a little bit. And uh, just, uh, just an encouragement to all of us this morning. And so Samuel uh, was told by the Lord to use discernment as he goes. In fact, when Samuel anoints David to be the next king, according to scripture, I don't think David even knew why he was getting anointed. Samuel went on this secret mission and he anoints David and, and he tells him, I've just come to make a sacrifice, and which he made a sacrifice and then he anointed David and and I don't know that David knew exactly what was going on. He just was obedient as, as God through Samuel called him. But David had been a shepherd. He was the youngest among his brothers. Uh, he, he was just a boy, uh, you know. He, he would have been in his early teens at this point in his life, old enough to be out with the sheep, but not old enough to go to the battlefield, as we'll see in chapter 17. He was a good-looking kid. He was... You know, when it says that David had beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance, like he was a pretty boy, you know? He had a baby face. Um, he, he didn't look, he was not like a tough guy, rugged looking guy. He, he, was, he was just a, a good looking kid with a twinkle in his eye out there with the sheep. But here's the incredible thing that even, even as David was out there with the sheep, watching them, taking care of them, Scripture tells us that he wrote songs and that he played the harp. So, you know, David was just out there with his harp singing to the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. And he's, you know, he's, he's writing songs that will become the book of Psalms. God sees him out there. He sees him. He, he notices him. First Samuel chapter 1, when, when God tells Samuel to go, he says, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected for myself a king from his sons. Now that word selected, the Hebrew word is ra'ah, and it, it literally means to see. Most of the time in scripture, it's translated to see. But it's this idea that God saw David. He, he saw David there in that place, in that wilderness, watching over the sheep when nobody else noticed God saw him. And, and, and this morning, we need to be reminded that God sees us in the small things. In those small seasons when we think nobody's paying attention, 
when we're not sure if anybody notices, when we feel lonely, when we feel unnoticed, when we feel isolated, God sees us in those moments. It's a principle throughout scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. Uh, Asa was a king. He was the great, great grandson of David. David's son Solomon became king, and then Solomon's son Rehoboam became king, then a king named Abijah, and then Asa was the next king of Judah. And Asa, at the beginning of his reign, he followed God, but there was a season where he looked to help from other kingdoms instead of looking for help from God. And a prophet comes to Asa, and he tells him this in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. He says, the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth, to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. This principle that God sees us, that he's looking. The book of Proverbs tells us that God sees the righteous and the unrighteous. The book of Hebrews tells us that, that God sees all the good and the bad that we've done and one day he will judge. We have a God who sees. Not just to make a checklist of, of your behavior, but but he sees you, he observes you, he notices you and he saw David and he ministered to David and, and through his spirit, he, he worked in David's life to strengthen David in the small seasons of his life. The book of Zechariah is one of the final books of prophecy in the Old Testament and Zechariah uh, records the rebuilding of God's temple. So, uh, many, many, many years after King David, the, the nation of Israel fell into disarray and it was divided. And, and over time, the Israelites and, and those from the, the kingdom of Judah were taken away into captivity and the temple of the Lord that King Solomon built was destroyed. And one day God blessed his people to send them back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And um, Zerubbabel was one of the individuals who was part of rebuilding this temple. And as they were rebuilding the temple, they were sad because it wasn't this incredible, elaborate temple that it had been in the days of Solomon. The, the old timers cried when they saw the new temple because they said, this, this is no good. But listen to what Zechariah the prophet says. Zechariah 4, verses 8 through 10 he says, the word of the Lord came to me. Zerubbabel's hands have laid the foundation of this house, this temple, and his hands will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of armies has sent me to you. And, and just this little phrase, for who despises the day of small things? These seven eyes of the Lord, which scan throughout the whole earth, will rejoice when they see the ceremonial stone in Zerubbabel's hands. Just stay on verse 10 right there for a minute because God is speaking to the prophet and he's saying, hey, I'm moving, I'm working. I'm working through Zerubbabel. I, I've chosen him to be my servant and I have called him to build this temple. And you might not think it's anything special. You might look and say, yeah, but back in the day it was better. But, but don't despise these small beginnings because I'm watching and, and, and my eyes are, are looking throughout the whole earth and, and I will celebrate to see the ceremonial stone. That means the, the kind of cornerstone as Zerubbabel is building the temple. God is rejoicing as he looks even in the small things and this morning we can be encouraged 
to know that God sees us in the small things and in the small places. And maybe you're in a season right now where you feel like nobody sees you, nobody notices, where you feel all alone, where you feel discouraged, where you feel isolated. And this morning, God sees you. He sees you. He notices you. He's watching you. And he's also working. God is working in those small seasons and in those small things. God has a plan and God is working. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that God calls David and he anoints David for a specific purpose that is gonna take many years to play out. If David was 15 when he was anointed, uh, scripture tells us that he was 30 when he finally became king. So for 15 years, David was anointed to be the king, but he wasn't elevated to the position of king yet. In fact, he was chased down by King Saul. His life was threatened. He had to hide out in the wilderness, hide in caves. But God was working. He was working when David was a shepherd on the backside of the wilderness, and he was working while David was being chased by, small, by Saul. God was working in the small things. When David comes to the battle in 1 Samuel chapter 17, tells us that he was watching the sheep, but his dad told him, go take some food to your older brothers. Three of his brothers were there at the battlefield. And so David gets to the battlefield and he sees this giant Goliath come walking out and, and Goliath is, is insulting the nation of Israel. He's insulting the God of Israel. And, and David said, are you guys gonna let him keep doing that? And they said, shut up, you're just a kid. He says, come on, it, it, you know, what will be done for the one who, who defeats this man? And, and somebody overheard David and took him to King Saul. And uh, David said, hey, don't worry, I'm your guy. I'm not gonna let him talk about my God that way. And Saul says to him, you're, you're just a kid. Let me read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 through 37. Saul says, you're just a kid. This guy's been a warrior since he was your age and, and you have no chance to get him against him. But David says this in 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 37. David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And then David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David recognized that God was the one working in those seasons of small things. He said, God delivered me from the lion. God delivered me from the bear and God will deliver me from this giant. David recognized God was working in those seasons and in your life as you you may feel like you're in one of those unseen small seasons, but God is working. The lessons that God is teaching you today, he's preparing you for the next season, for the next calling, for, for the next assignment. 
God is working in those small seasons. I remember uh, probably about 10 years ago, um, I was serving on staff at another church and, and I, was, I was having one of those small seasons where I was discouraged a little bit and I was uncertain about if I was doing what God wanted me to do and, and I was discouraged and, um, and just in a season of prayer, I, I decided that I would go, uh, I would take a day and I would just go to the woods and just spend some time walking and in prayer. And, and so I went out uh, in the Lake Nona area. There's a place called Split Oak Park. I don't know if any of you have heard of that. You go almost to St. Cloud and there's a little road back there and, and there's some hiking trails back there. So went back and spent the day at Split Oak Park and walking back through there, had a, had a scary moment where there was something big in the bushes and I wasn't sure what it was. And I felt like I'm really alone in a small place and nobody's here. Um, but I just kept trucking along. Well, if you walk to the back of that park, it gets to a little pond. It's called Bonnet Pond. And uh, there's a little dock that goes out over the, the pond. And I, I walked out the dock and I just kind of stood there and I prayed. And uh, for me, when I pray, I sing. And I, I just sang some songs of, of prayer and worship. And, and uh, I was just having kind of a moment with the Lord and I'm looking out over this pond and, you know, ponds are full of life. There's frogs and there's fish and there's bugs and there's dragonflies and they're everywhere. There's turtles. And, uh, and I'm just kind of looking out and seeing all, all this stuff that's happening in this little pond. And, and I started walking back. And as I'm walking, I, I, just, um, I just realized that, that God is working in the small places and I thought about those frogs and those turtles and those fish and those dragonflies being the frogs and the turtles and the dragonflies and the fish that God called them to be in that pond that nobody ever sees. I was walking in the, on that path for the whole day and I didn't see another soul the whole time I was out there. And as I thought about it, I thought it really doesn't matter who sees me. God sees me. God knows he's put me in this little pond for this season. And I just need to be the best frog or fish or turtle or dragonfly I can be. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about the God who called me and who put me in this place. And if we really believe that God is who he says he is, that he is sovereign and in control, then we can trust him in those small seasons. I mean, if you feel like a frog in a pond, that's okay. You just croak as loud as you can croak in the place that God has called you. Because God is working in those small seasons. God taught David how to worship. He taught David how to be a shepherd. And the Psalms, and Psalm 78, it tells us that, that when David became king, he was a shepherd over the house of Israel and the things that God taught David in those seasons God used in his life to lead his people. God taught David how to defend the flock against the bear and the lion and, and, it, and God used David as he went to battle with a sling. Now, David's sling was not a slingshot like the stick and with the rubber band. It, was, it looked like this. It was just a little leather pouch with a rope and you put a rock in it and you swing it and then you let go of one side and the, and, the, and the stone goes flying. And I imagine as a you know, teenage boy that David was practicing a lot with that sling out there in the, 
backside of the desert. He's probably shooting squirrels out of the trees and, you know, little birds and having target practice. And one day God used that. God is working in the small things. God sees you in the small things. God is working through his Holy Spirit. 1 Samuel chapter 16 tells us that when da- or I'm, yeah, chapter 16, when, when David was anointed by Saul, that the Holy Spirit came upon him in power for the rest of his days. And here's the reality, church, for those of us who have called on Jesus Christ as Savior, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And no matter what season we find ourselves in, no matter what the circumstances of our life, the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us. This public anointing that took place uh, of David before his brothers, um, it, it took place after what had already taken place in private between David and the Lord on the backside of the wilderness as, as God moved in David's life. Romans eight twenty six through 28 talks about the Spirit in our lives. And it says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because we don't know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our heart and knows the mind of the Spirit, that, that idea of the one who searches our heart, it takes us back to the God who was looking and seeing and searching the heart of David, who was looking and who observed a heart that was devoted to him and David. The one who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And you've all heard this verse before. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. That work takes place through the Holy Spirit. That work that God is doing in our life takes place through the Holy Spirit as verses 26 and 27 tell us and God was working in David's life through the Holy Spirit. And here's what's incredible. For us today, those of us who have called on Jesus for salvation, who have been saved and redeemed, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the Old Testament, it was different. God would send his spirit in people's lives for special purposes and special times and special seasons, and David was one of those individuals. But for us, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Romans 8 tells us, is alive and at work within us. God is working through his spirit. So we can take some encouragement from the story of David that God sees us in the small things. He's working in the small things. He's working in our lives through his spirit. But there's a bigger story at play in this story of David. See, God anointed David to be king of Israel, but God had a bigger plan for the life of David than just to be king of Israel. 
In 2 Samuel chapter 7, in verse 16, as David is reaching the end of his life, God speaks through the prophet Nathan and says to David, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever and your throne will be established forever. God is speaking to David and he says, David, I I have a plan for your throne, for your kingdom. It will be an eternal kingdom. Now, from a human perspective, that's not how it went down. David had a son named Solomon. Solomon had a son named Rehoboam who split the kingdom in half through his disobedience. Israel was taken into captivity. For a long time, it looked like God was done. But there was one who would come, who would be the son of David. Because God's plan wasn't just for David to be the king of a human kingdom. God's plan was for an eternal kingdom and for a king who would reign in righteousness and justice, who would be called the wonderful counselor, the prince of God, the the prince of peace, the everlasting father. So in Revelation chapter 22, we, we, we see who this is. Revelation 22 verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright and morning star. You see, God always has a bigger plan. And we get so caught up in our little moment. I get so caught up in my little moment. God, am I, you know, this is hard. God, am I in the right place? God, I'm not sure. God, I don't know. God, I need a sign. The incredible thing is, man, we serve a faithful and patient God who continues to bless <laughs> and remind us of his goodness. But at the end of the day, our little moment really is a small place and a small moment. There are over 8 billion people on this earth. But God has a bigger plan. God has a plan that one day every nation and tribe and tongue will come before him and declare that Jesus is Lord. And God chose a guy named David on the backside of the Judean wilderness watching sheep. In a small moment, God saw him and he worked through him and empowered him by his spirit. God had a bigger plan. That at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are born under the law. The son of David. God sent Jesus Christ to be the king of kings and Lord of lords, but even then, it didn't look like anybody thought 
(laughs) it was going to look. Because Jesus comes into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and the people say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And three days later, or a week later, they crucified him on a cross. The King of Kings, the Son of David, the long-awaited Messiah. But God had a plan. Jesus, the Savior of the world, he lived in obscurity. He grew up in a town called Nazareth, and one of the disciples said, does anything good come from Nazareth? (laughs) But God had a plan. And Jesus gave his life a ransom for many, Scripture says. And he was buried. He was raised again three days later. Through his resurrection, he took captivity captive. And we can say, oh death, where is your sting? Oh hell, where is your victory? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Because God had a plan. And it was bigger than David. And it's bigger than you. And in our weakness, God works in us through his spirit. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray. And maybe you're in one of those seasons where you say, God, I I don't even know what to pray. That's okay. (laughs) Because God is working in you through his spirit. And his spirit searches the heart and knows the mind of the Lord. And if you'll just surrender to God in the small seasons and let God do the work, he will do it. So this morning, maybe there's some of you who are in a small season. I just want to encourage you, God is working. Trust him, follow him. In just a moment when we stand and pray, if you want to pray, I invite you to come pray. God, work in my life. You know better than I do. Help me to trust you. Maybe this morning there's someone in here who's never come to a place of faith in Jesus Christ. The son of David, the long-awaited Messiah, came to be our Savior, to save us from our sin. We've all sinned. We've all lived in selfishness and pride. And that sin separates us from God because God is perfect and righteous and holy. The only way to come to God is through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we come to Jesus Christ in faith and in surrender. We say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I surrender my life to you. I make you Lord and King of my life. And he saves us. 
He makes us a new creation and he empowers us through his spirit. And we become a part of the story. Just a little part. But all we gotta be is a frog or a dragonfly or a turtle in the pond, right? Because God is the one working. God is the one telling a story better than any of us could ever think of or dream up or write. So we surrender to him this morning. Why don't you stand up with me as we pray? Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are a God who knows us and sees us, who is working. You're a God who knows what's best for us and who wants what's best for us and who has the power to pull it off. So help us to surrender to you in every area of our life. Our victories and our weaknesses. Lord, we surrender it all to you. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us this morning. For those of us who feel like we're in a a small and lonely season, would you encourage us and strengthen us that you are working. God, for those who have never come to a place of faith, would you draw them through your Holy Spirit this morning and help them to respond in faith. Lord, help us to be obedient whatever your call is on our life, knowing that you are working. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing this song, I invite you to respond. We'll just have a moment. I'll be, I would love to pray with anybody who wants to pray together this morning. So let's sing. Oh, come to the altar.